Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 92 of the Cloudcast. We are back in the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina, after multiple weeks on the road. So, Aaron, how you been, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Where uh, where have you been lately? Because I know I've been traveling a bunch. Uh, so so I was out in uh, out at the CloudStack Collaboration Conference uh, and recorded a couple uh, pretty good episodes uh, of the Cloudcast out there and just kind of doing the summer thing you know at the beach with the family uh, taking some time off and th- that's probably about it. Okay, cool. So you're you're sort of covering the dirty OpenStack hippie side of the show. Uh, you're doing OzCon what next week? Uh, week two weeks after? from now. Okay. Yes, so OzCon's folks, coming up in two weeks. So folks can expect some more open source. Related stuff. If they want to throw us out some topics they'd like to go track down, um, send them out to the uh, cloudcast.net uh, Twitter account. Um, I was uh, I went out to Structure in San Francisco, which is part of uh, what we'll get into with the show today. I went out to Cisco Live in Orlando, uh, sweated like crazy, uh, but it was a good show as well. Um, so I've been traveling a bunch, and then next week I'm going off to the Bahamas. So if folks don't hear from me for a week, that's where I'll be. Um, so wanted to want to do a couple of quick house cleaning things. So there's been some interesting stuff going on, and then we'll we'll jump into our guests. So uh, episode 100's coming up pretty soon. Um, do we have any idea what we're planning to do yet? None. None. Okay. <laughs> people, people have been asking. I don't think we have any idea. Yeah, yet. it was the funniest thing. Like so, somebody hit us up on Twitter and, and like, "What are you guys doing for 100?" We're like, "Uh, that's a good question." Yeah, no um, I have a couple ideas, but I'm not going to say anything because they actually involve me doing work on my end, and I don't know if I'll actually get it done. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You've been known to make promises. Exactly. Cool. Uh, so a couple things. Uh, for some odd reason, Robert Scoble is now following us, which I have no idea what that means. But uh, welcome, Robert, uh, if you actually listen. Um, we, we'll, get uh, to, we'll just claim that he listens to this. Yeah, show. exactly. Um, we went uh, cross-podcast world. You and I were on the Geek Whispers, which is uh, John Troyer and Matthew Brender and Amy uh, Lewis's thing, talking about the behind-the-scenes of the podcast. And I think we did so bad that they actually haven't published it. So... Um, that, may, that may never see the light of day, but we were over there. Uh, cool show if anybody's into social media. Uh, thanks to everybody listening to the mobile cast with Brian Katz. Uh, the listenership has been really, really good. I think we've learned a lot from it. So we're you know not in the mobile world. Brian brings a really cool uh, kind of uh, user experience to that thing. So that was good. Um, and then one last thing, and then we'll jump into our guest because I know he's sitting there and, and like he's really, really good. So... Uh, I was at Cisco Live. I thought this was kind of funny. Um, uh, so I was at Cisco Live, and I ran into two people. We ran into a bunch of people who were like, hey, you know, like the show. We know who you guys are, which is very cool. It's always fun to run into people that listen to the show. But we had two that I thought were really good. I ran into one guy, and I'll, I'll withhold names, who basically came up to me and he said, I like your show. Aaron's great, but you pretty much suck. <laughs> right to my face, which was great. And then I nice. had another one. I had another one with a guy who I really respect, super smart technical guy, you know, a name people would know in the cloud. And he basically said, yeah, I listened to your show for a good laugh. And I'm not really sure how to take that one either. So <laughs> anyways, so the bottom line is uh, we, we provide a little bit of comedy and I generally suck, but you're doing well. So kudos to you. <laughs> so, That's hysterical. All right. So anyway, so uh, so today's guest is, uh, is Chris Matthew. And I'm going to introduce him in a second, but it was kind of an interesting story as to how we met. So um, I've been following Chris for a while on Twitter, as, as we all seem to do. Like we know more people on Twitter. Uh, I go to lunch with... 
I'm out at San Francisco for structure. I go to lunch with Christian Riley and our friend Heather uh, Fitzsimmons, who runs uh, Mindshare PR. And I'm getting ready to go have lunch. And we go to this awesome Italian restaurant, and there's this dude there who looks like Captain Morgan, and he's super enthusiastic, and he's, you know, he's talking, and we introduce each other. And uh, so, Chris, um, the basically, uh, welcome to the show, first and foremost, Chris Matthew. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> we've been, glad to be we've on. Been, Thank we've, you. Been, we've been yakking. We've left you the, we left you the winds there. But anyway, so, so Chris and I are, are sitting across the table from each other, and we'd never really met, and I'm talking to Christian a little bit. And, and he just jumps into it and he's got this awesome, huge personality and he's talking about real time web and Christian's like, man, you got to have him on. He does really cool stuff. And I was like, absolutely. When do you want to be on the podcast? And he's like, anytime you want. So we finally got around to it two weeks later. Chris, Chris, cool. Thanks for being on, man. Well, I love the uh, Captain Morgan. <laughs> no, the reason I said that is you have this awesome sort of goatee, but it's not just a goatee. It's this it's this really well manicured Raleigh fingers kind of curly cued thing. It's it's awesome. It's uh... <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't so, know how to take that, Brian. <laughs> so, so first and foremost, give us give us some of your background because because you and I talked a little bit that day. We went and hung out uh, at the Bechtel offices in San Francisco. But give us a little bit of your background because you've got a very cool, interesting background about development, about uh, you know real time web, which is your passion, and and some of the things you've been doing. Give some folks some idea of who you are and what's your background. Oh man, um, so I, I've been doing this whole enterprise slash entrepreneur type balance my whole IT career. I, I've been CIO of like the Arizona Lottery, uh, a, a big rebate sweepstakes company, um, healthcare, I, I, all over the place. And I've built and sold uh, three startups to date. Two were telecom related and two were cloud related. And I'm a hacker. Like at the heart of what I do, I, I build cool shit. I, I'm a Node.js developer for like three years. I started, I think, when it was on version 0.2. Um, so, I mean, I, I love geeky stuff. I love hacking together ideas, you know, in a weekend. I love participating in hackathons. And, you know, that was how I met uh, Christian Riley. You, know, you were talking about the previous uh, guest on your show, and we were hanging out there in San Francisco. I, I think I knew Christian uh, probably a year or two before I joined uh, Bechtel to work with him. So, uh, you know, it's funny how like Twitter just brings us all together, and and you know you're able to to know people. You know, oftentimes before you even sit down and and meet them, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah. So that was the thing that you know. So you sort of said you're a hacker. That was the thing that jumped out at me. We we ate some lunch. We went back to your office, and you were like, "Man, let me show you the stuff I'm working on." Like it was <laughs> just like immediately. It was like I'm working on this stuff, and you know, half the stuff was Bechtel stuff, and half the stuff was like you said, it was stuff you were doing on the side. Um, but you know, like you're a, you were sort of a self-proclaimed, uh, you know, real-time web guy. And you were kind of talking about that. Talk, talk, you know, tell the folks kind of what that means today. What's, what is the real-time web? What's cool about it? What's, you know, what's kind of behind the scenes, the background and the technology and what's changing about that space and that terminology that you're using? Well, yeah, I'm kind of coming off of down from a high all day today. I, I, my, uh, one of my real-time web startups, Telephone, it's the side project I'm working on now. Um, it was on Hacker News like all day long today, the front page. It was on, it was in the top 10 uh, on the front page for like all morning long. And, uh, you know, kind of watching it, you know, at one point it had, you know, over 100 simultaneous 
uh, users, you know, making phone calls and doing all this live stuff all, all you know, all at the same time, um, really kind of brings all this, this stuff into, into focus or context where, where the web is going, uh, today. So, um, you know, back, back kind of in the, the dot com boom, you know, boom and bust that we experienced back, you know, around 2000. Everything was kind of shifting into Web 2.0. Remember all that and the social web and, you know, that's kind of when, when Facebook and Twitter kind of started cutting their teeth and et cetera. You know, then there was all this buzz about the semantic web. How are we going to organize all of this data and then kind of artificial intelligence and all these, these big ideas around, around, uh, better categorizing and organizing the web. Today, we, we've kind of like leapfrogged all of that and there's really two main, Focuses that I see kind of trending right now around uh, modern web development. Uh, one is uh, mobile first. I think people are realizing that mobile is just pre- uh, prevalent everywhere. It's it's the go-to device, and rather than the old school way of building a, a browser-based app, or God forbid, a thick client app, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then and then trying to say, okay, how do we now? How do we like kind of make that shrink to fit a, a tablet? Okay, then how do we shrink to make that fit a phone? It's it's the other way around. We need to be looking at this now. Let's let's build some really fast, uh, lean applications that run great on a phone. And then once you nail that, then you move up to a tablet. Then you move up to a browser. Um, so that's the one trend I'm seeing. The second trend is around real-time web. It's people don't have the patience anymore. They don't want to refresh a web page anymore. Um, you, you just even look at, at Twitter and Facebook how they work. As new stories or tweets come in, um, your page you know just automatically gets updated or it notifies you you've got you know 100 new tweets to read or whatever. That's the that's the concept I'm talking about with real-time web where the server is pushing live data to your site uh, as you need it or as things change um making this really interactive and and um this trend of of pages becoming like like a whole web app or mobile app becoming like a like a single local running app where it's just one page and everything just happens in the background using like just quick little WebSocket or JSON calls that just manipulate data or the server pushing you data uh, to get real-time updates. I mean, it's it's a cool time to be, you know, in in this tech space. Okay, and you know, I I think you're you know you, you talked about kind of bringing these two things together. You've got you know a little bit is sort of social and and cultural, right? People want stuff faster. They they're constantly looking for that update from a news story or their friends or their status. And then you've got you know, you've got devices that while they've got a bunch of CPU, you know, like mobile devices can't be churning them all the time because of battery. You've got yep. sort of limited bandwidth on, on wireless networks, less, much less so than you have, you know, your one gig, 10 gig stuff in the office or something. And, and all that stuff's sort of coming together at the same time. Is that fair? I mean, is that kind of a, the, the intersections we're talking about here? Absolutely. You know, to, to make these applications really responsive, you really don't want to be, you know, swapping pages out. You know, every time the user clicks a button, you really want to be just one, one page, a single page application, just moving tiny bits of JSON back and forth between the server. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about Node.js, but really that's kind of its sweet spot. You know, it's like HTTP is a first class citizen. These web sockets are so easy. Everyone's building, you know, chat applications or dashboard applications or all these 
these live applications off of uh, using Node.js. I mean, really, the tools are changing to get us there. And like push Apple, like push notifications or Android uh, notifications. You know, they wake your phone up. You know, only when it's needed or only when there's information that needs to be pushed. So you're constantly trying to minimize that 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 latency and that 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 bandwidth consumption uh, around around the everyday life of the application. Okay, very cool. So. You know, we've got a lot of folks that listen to the show that, uh, you know, I think they come to the show and listen because they're, uh, you know, they're, they're cloud infrastructure guys, they're architecture guys, not as much development folks, but they're, but they're, they're very, very interested in, especially around the new applications and, and what uh, the data flows look like, what the architectures look like on the back end of these things. So whether it's, you know, a typical Node.js type of application, you were showing me some stuff on on various sort of databases as service types of things that you were kind of playing with. What's the, if if the front end, the client side has to be doing as little work as possible, what's the back end though look like? I mean, how much interaction is going on between, you know, what's what's the typical database that you're going to be using for this? Is it is it NoSQL? Is it SQL? Is it, there is no database? Uh, what's What do the traffic patterns look like? Give us a sense of what the back end of all these things look like. Yeah, so the back end, honestly isn't doing much more work than the the front end it's like only when there's particular information that needs to be updated then it it kind of wakes up and does things so kind of the the, the stack everyone seems to be gravitating to is is node.js um they're using typically web sockets um to do these these real time uh persistent connections between the client and the server so you know whether whether the server has to broadcast a message, you know, JSON message to every client attached, or to a room, or like a group of clients, or a specific client. Uh, it's really simple, lightweight to do, and just say, "Hey, here's some data." JavaScript running on the server, JavaScript running on the client. They just know what to do, and it's easy to to call one out and say, "Hey, here's some information for you to update your page." Um, Typically, these applications kind of everyone's gravitating to NoSQL. You know, mostly Mongo. I know Couch has got a, a huge following for uh, NoSQL. I know Reox. You know, kind of that one that has like you know the 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 mission critical live through anything type of an instance. Um, and typically, when people are like th- scaling these things out horizontally. Since WebSockets kind of connect to a single server, they keep a persistent connection live between a, a server and a client. A lot of folks are using Redis as kind of that, that uh, key value store to scale horizontally uh, WebSockets uh, across many, many servers. Wow. So okay. uh, that's, that's okay. kind of a stack. And, you know, and there's some companies coming into this space that you're know, trying to mask, you know, make the, the whole infrastructure look a lot easier where you don't have to deal with I guess like WebSockets as a service I would call it but um, now, is, that what people, them, is that what people call like backend as a service or is that something different gosh, hear, I, like, so, I hear that term sometimes yeah there's so a, a friend of ours uh, at Bechtel Justin Burley's got uh, WTF as a service dot com <laughs> it's like you, know, you, you can put nice. anything in front you know mobile back in back in uh, WebSockets as a service I think I just made that one up I don't know but um some companies like like Pusher is one of them. Uh, they were acquired by uh, Heroku in the, in the early days, and then Realtime.co. I think they got like a hundred million in funding like like a year ago. But they're trying to make it so simple that you know any programming language you don't worry about the the stack or the scaling. 
you have an API to call to, to send a message and it pushes it to all the clients. So that's kind of an interesting space. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, so, Chris, let me ask you this then. So I'm just thinking about this as you're explaining all this. So, you know, we almost have like a third model that in my head of, you know, like you were mentioning earlier, you know, God forbid, a thick client, right? And then they're the, the exact opposite of a thin client, right? Basically, where is that processing happening? Is it happening on the client side? Is it happening on server side? But you're actually proposing where, you know, you've got a, a almost a medium amount of processing happening on both ends and it's all on demand and, and push related based yep. off the server side. So, you you can't really call it thick. You can't really call it thin. And yeah, it's you know this whole real time stuff. I'm just thinking that I was like, oh okay, this is almost like a nice balanced model in the middle. Well, you know, and a lot of people are starting to call it client server, but it's not that either. It's it's mm-hmm. almost it's almost like peer networks. I mean, it's yes, like you can right. almost look at the client as a peer to the server because they're both doing processing. And you know that that's another strength of Node.js. Um, you know, be, besides being you know real lean and fast, it it uses events instead of threads to scale. So, like the traditional way of of like building a Ruby on Rails application or .NET or Java or something like that is that when you have a request, a web request come in, it basically stops all the processing on that thread to do what you tell it to do. Like go look up this data in the database, go call this API, and every time you're you're making a call. It's blocking is, is, is what it's referred to. It sits and waits until that data comes back. Node.js being evented, event uh, model uh, driven, it's just it just keeps processing and it uses like JavaScript callbacks so that, that when the data comes back, then it wakes up and says, okay, now, now my callback's firing, now what do I do with this data? Well, kind of think about that in this peer-to-peer kind of uh, real-time world so when an event happens that the server knows about, it wakes up and then can push the message to the client, or vice versa. A client could say, "Hey, you know, I, I want to buy. I want to put a bid on eBay, for instance," and then it it wakes up and tells the server, "Hey, increment that by five dollars." And then the server says, "Hey, everyone else that's watching this this item, you all need to update your browsers, you know, by five dollars." Interesting. Wow. Very cool. Interesting. So. I want to I want to try and connect a couple of dots here and, and help us. So, prior to going over and, and, and working with the guys at Bechtel, uh, you ran a company or you were you were part of a company called Nodester, which uh, Node.js focused PaaS. I guess is maybe the, the simplest way to focus. You were very very early in kind of delivering platform as a service specific for Node.js. Um, you know, people when they tend to sort of dichotomy cloud. They talk about infrastructure as a service and platform as a service. And like you just said, there's a bunch of people that are kind of trying to provide these various middle layers, right? Whether it's database as a service or whatever the you know WTF as a service. Like what, what is, what's, what's really going on here? Because I mean, we, you know, we've talked to guys like Cloud Foundry who provide a whole bunch of capabilities. They kind of abstract the infrastructure they're providing various queuing and message buses and then, you know, kind of framework libraries. Is that like a big monolithic stack compared to what you're seeing in the real-time world or what, like, help us kind of decode what what really is going on or for certain applications versus, say, real-time applications. Yeah, so Nostr came out before Cloud Foundry. I was really excited to beat them to the the punch and it really started off as as a, a... 
kind of an fu project. <laughs> you know, like I said, I'm a hacker. You know, I, I was waiting around for like three months for this uh, for these Node.js hosting coupon codes. Everyone was calling them back then, like to let you in as an alpha node guy to host your node app on on the cloud and heroku was a company i was waiting for joint had no.de i was waiting for a coupon code and nothing like three months go by still nothing i take two weeks off for christmas break and that's that becomes my little hacker project i'm like what how hard is this to build this this cloud thing what's involved in building a cloud and you know you know you write a couple of lines of code next thing you know you've got you know, uh, uh, hundreds of lines sitting there, and it's actually starting to kind of work. And um, I, I put a link out on on Hacker News at the end of the two weeks. I open sourced it, right? So I was like, "F you, <laughs> here's Here you here's, a, here's a, a pass, a, a Node.js pass, and it's open sourced." And uh, it blew up. It was all over Hacker News. Mashable picked it up. Uh, New York Observer picked it up. Um, I think we had 10,000 uh, email addresses in line now waiting for Nodester coupon codes <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> after that first weekend. So, um, you know, and, and I, I I had so many holes and gaps in, like, what it really takes to build a cloud platform. Okay, so from the uh, Hacker News stories, Dave Glass, the YUI lead developer at Yahoo, jumped in and said, dude, I can help you secure that that platform. You know, I was, I'm I'm like a Linux noob. Yeah, I know enough to be really dangerous. And uh, he came around and uh, built Cheroot uh, sandboxes and uh, pushed all that code up to GitHub. Next thing you know, we we've got we had a rivaling open source platform as, as a service that I think disrupted all the other guys at, at play. You know, they they start giving away all their Node.js. <laughs> Coupon codes, waiving all the fees, and and at the last report, there was like several Nodester servers inside of Yahoo, several inside of HP Labs, another one that I had heard about inside of like Channel Four in in the UK. I mean, just all over the place. That that went kind of crazy. Wow! So and all this basically came together. I mean, the equivalent of like a month and a half of people, you know, working on it, you hacking on it, other people just picking it up and running with it. Yeah, and it was mostly me in the beginning, and then uh, as as it started like really taking off, he started getting a lot of people. That re- uh, what was the uh, software that made the Hacker News today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Qualcomm. Maybe we should try that. <laughs> oh. oh, so this is not unusual. We've uh, we've had our our fair share of uh, you know Skype works, Skype doesn't work. Um, so let's just keep cranking along. Um, so yeah, like Aaron said, so you you know we were talking earlier. You're, you're fired up. What is what is twelve phone like? What's the you know we talked a little about uh, Node. What's what's twelve phone and what's got you all fired up? Yeah, so twelve phone. You know, again, it, it's it's taking the idea is taking Twitter to be real time, moving Twitter into the real time space. So Twitter, in my opinion, is probably the best messaging platform in the world. I mean, it's. It's amazing how you can follow and tweet, you know, broadcast, you know, millions of people, direct messaging. All that's really solid until you get to the point where you're trying to have a conversation in real time on it. You know, it kind of all falls apart. You know, your DMs are, you know, 30 seconds, a minute apart. It's kind of awkward. You can't, like, connect everything. And, you know, 
if you want to try to take things like live, you know, you, Twitter can't do that at all. So Twelophone, um, it attaches to Twitter, so it, it uses the what, 700 million, however many users Twitter has as its user directory, and um, replicates many of the features of Skype uh, all in the web browser using WebRTC and HTML5. So you, you, get, you get presence, so you can see when people are online or offline. You get instant messaging or, you know, like live chat with all the multimedia capabilities that you would expect, links, photos, YouTube, embeds, whatever. Um, you also get a live voice and video uh, conversations or chat as well. So WebRTC, I, I don't know if your audience really has been following WebRTC, but I would say it's probably the biggest disruptor we're going to see in the space since cloud technology on the internet. Um, WebRTC, RTC stands for real-time communications. And what what this does is it brings peer-to-peer -peer communications uh, to the web as like a, a first-class citizen. So you and I, you, Aaron, and you and Aaron and myself could turn up a whole conversation peer-to-peer encrypted with high-definition audio, high-definition video, without an ISP in the middle, without, like, a server, you know, um, being able to wiretap this information. It's just all pure, as pure as can be, low-latency uh, communications. And part of the WebRTC spec, so you can also get, like, you know, access to the camera, access to the microphone, so you can start doing all sorts of other interesting, like, non-real-time things. Like, you want to take a picture of your avatar, you know, for Facebook or Twitter, you could do that with WebRTC without Flash or any of those old technologies um, in getting in the way. But there's another huge component of uh, WebRTC, and that's called data channels. So now, once once we're pinned up together on, on a browser-to-browser, peer-to-peer session, in addition to doing video chat and stuff between us, we can start moving bits uh, directly peer-to-peer -peer between our machines. So we could do file transfers, we could do like real-time game, gaming, you know, screen shares, uh, what have you, and it's all directly between our, our uh, browsers. Wow. So, um, so the, the idea is not to replicate Skype, you know, on Twitter. I think we've got a, a really, a BHAG, I call it, a big, hairy, audacious goal of creating a telecom company, the next generation telecom company in the web browser. So think yeah. about that for a minute. It's like, Skype's kind of cool, but Skype was like, you know, cool like 10 years ago. It's like, if you, and, and the phone, the telephone's like 137 years old. If you could reinvent it today, what would it look like? I mean... It would be connected to the social networks. It, your 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 Twitter handle or your Facebook username would be your telephone number, so to speak. Um, it would have all this this live real time communications collaboration tools built into it. And then you look at all of those old things that that telecom has been building for years, like you know how do you connect to uh, a customer service agent or how do you find the next available customer service agent, you know to buy something on the web, or how do you, um, all these CRM systems like Salesforce, you know, being able to integrate integrate on top of telephone, you know, like telephone, in essence, is becoming that telecom as a surface, 
All right. So, so not only did not only did you fix the potentially fix the audio recording problem that we're having tonight, where we've had to switch <laughs> off a of Skype. You, Lots you, of editing tonight. You, you, you may have reinvented like how porn and stuff like that is done over the web, since you can integrate Twitter and like there's no tracing of anything. You're you're now a t- you're now the terrorist network's best friend because it's encrypted and it doesn't go through a centralized server. It, uh, it all starts and it all starts with porn. So yeah. so it's it's the internet. Well, you know, it What's funny is my, that's exactly what my wife and I were talking the other day. I, I released a new feature. I thought it was like really cool. I call it experts. And um, you remember the old 900 numbers back in the day of telecom where, oh, yeah. you know, it, was, it started off legitimate, right? So it was lawyers or, yep. or uh, computer technicians or whatever. You know, you could buy a 900 number, you get paid. You know, the phone company would take the, you know, take a commission and, and uh, route the call, and you'd never worry about billing. It would just show up, you know, on, on your bill. Um, so I was like, that's brilliant. You know, with telephone and this expert service, you could create, like, a, your own geek squad if you wanted to. You could, like, find all your your buddies that know how to fix PC problems, put them all together under, you know, a telephone, like, like uh, account, and then route calls and, and charge, you know, a dollar a minute to be answering these calls all day. My wife was just like... You know who else is going to use that service, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess so. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, you know, uh, you can't control how people are going to use communication. But, uh, well, that's cool. I mean, I mean that's you know cool, what, though. But that's the other thing. Up until WebRTC, you really couldn't do this affordably. You would have to host all of that streaming through your servers. And with, with peer-to-peer on WebRTC... All telephone does is it keeps track of signaling, you know, to say, hey, who's all online? How do I connect these two people? Once it connects them, it gets out of the way. And all of that, that bandwidth is directly between the two peers, not the server. So that's like beauty from, from like keeping costs down, beauty from like if, if the servers go down or whatever, the calls stay up. It's also um, beauty because it's out of the way of no potential wiretapping capabilities. You know, it's like Skype used to be this way. So Skype kind of. So Skype had this concept of supernodes, and you didn't know whose computer was the supernode, and all these these groups and, and communications were going through somebody's, you know, there's lots of these somebody's supernodes around the Internet. When Microsoft acquired them, they said, no, nah, we're going to pull everything back into the Microsoft network. And now you know, every conversation you do goes through Microsoft on Skype. And that's why Skype sucks for us now, because every time we try and make a call, it goes up to Redmond. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So, yeah, your latency, everything, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you were showing, you showed me sort of a prototype of this, or at least you were showing it to me a little bit, but it's all, it's all web-based. Is this getting moved down? I mean, can I use... The, the web, the browsers that are on a mobile phone today, or is it right now, is it still sort of confined to a laptop or something? So it, it's getting better. Um, so today on laptops, you can use uh, Chrome or Firefox. As of just last week, Firefox rolled it into the, uh, the off-the-shelf standard version of Firefox. So that's cool. You've got two browsers on the desktop that that works on. And Opera, you know, it's coming in Opera. IE's trying to, uh, Microsoft's creating their own version, so who knows what, where that roller coaster is going to end up. And Apple's been super quiet on, on the whole concept. So 
I think they're going to be forced into it with all these cool apps coming out and not working on Safari. I think they'll have to do something. But mobile, your question on mobile, um, Android's Chrome, for beta version of Chrome supports WebRTC for Android, any Android device with Chrome beta. Um, and I think they're saying that end of summer that will be in, in just off-the-shelf Chrome. So they're making tons of progress on, on that platform iOS, that's that's a weird one because even though there's Chrome for iOS, there's some weird licensing control that Apple has on Google saying that the underlying WebKit version of Chrome has to be Safari's. Okay. And, uh, and, and okay. So, so even Chrome on iOS, they, they haven't been able to add in uh, WebRTC. However, uh, Google at, at Google I/O was very vocal that they're they're shipping SDKs for iOS for Android, you know, every, all the platforms to make it easy for you to to build native mobile apps with WebRTC support. Okay, very cool. It's so, coming. Yeah, so it's coming. So uh, you know, so folks that may have some creative ideas, this is uh, definitely an area to go start looking at, and um, or anybody who wants to make early money on porn. <laughs> You know, I think there's been over a hundred businesses, WebRCC focused businesses since January start up. You know, wow. just I mean, it's it's a gold you know land rush right now. You know, just everyone trying to figure out what can they do. I, I've seen a, a share fest. I think just came up. You know, letting people transfer files between peers. That was cool. Another, I think PeerCDN.com came up, and they were trying to show that you could make a like a, a peer-to-peer distributed CDN network, um, basically just by having one person download the page and then, like, use the network effect to let everyone else load the website from everyone else. It's like, that's kind of mind-blowing. Like, these, these ideas you can use data channels for with peer-to-peer and moving things more to that, that every peer on the network, even the servers, are basically peers. I think that's going back more in line with what we started talking about at the beginning of the show was about the real-time yep. movement. Everything's just connected now. Yeah, and you know, and I think the thing that, you know, the the more I'm listening to you and the more I kind of contrast that to maybe, you know, <clears throat> you know let's just let's just take Cloud Foundry as a PaaS PAS platform and I'm not kind of being critical. I, I think I think we're still in kind of what what's been interesting to us and we've had a bunch of folks who've come on and and this is one of the cool things about the cloud because everything is anymore it's sort of in public domains, you know, for the most part the 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 interesting services and they're they're connected via APIs is you know, we don't really have a definitive stack. Like a term like PaaS is, it could mean a whole lot of things. And, and we're still in an early time where it's like people are figuring out, do they focus on this little segment of stuff that provides a cool set of services? How do I link and chain together a bunch of services? Uh, you know, like you're seeing, you know, you can take advantage of what this massive service like Twitter does, you know, to add value on top of it. Like, I think we're still in, even though sometimes Aaron and I will, will joke around this, like it feels, sometimes it feels like, ah, the cloud's getting kind of old. And, but I mean, there's, there's still a lot of really new stuff that's going on. And, and sometimes something like this will spark another huge kind of set of ideas for people. And that, that stuff's always very, very cool. And especially since the architecture's modular, you've got some stuff that's open source that people can go hack on. It's still a pretty interesting time, and there's, a, like you said, there's there's some explosive areas you just kind of kind of find what they are. Yeah, I think there's probably a dozen WebRTC frameworks that are kind of all under various uh, stages of development. 
there's probably a dozen WebSocket, really good WebSocket libraries that, that are out there. And you're right, everyone's kind of jockeying and trying to figure out what does all this mean. But um, the cloud is always going to be integral in, into making this happen. I mean, it's, it's, there's no other way to really scale on demand you know, and keep costs down in the process. That's integral. But what I, what I think is interesting is this movement to more peer communication. So I think we're going to see a lot of traffic being offloaded from the cloud and more chatter between machines. Which is kind of interesting, yeah. And you know, uh, Christian loves to talk, Christian Riley loves to talk about the Internet of Things. And you know, he's spot on with this. There's a whole trend of like sensors and and uh, devices talking to themselves or talking to each other, machine-to-machine communications and reacting. Um, and when you look at like uh, companies like, have you, you guys have heard of If This Than That? Or uh, Zapier is, is another one of these services. They basically watch for events, and then you can program them to do other events. And you can, like, chain a whole series of things. So you could say, like, when my alarm clock goes off, then make the coffee. And it's like, once you start looking at how all these things could be connected and operating in real time, and you plug a service like that in the middle, now you've got this whole connected Internet of Things idea. And sensors could say... Hey, it's getting dark now. You know, if if it's getting dark, then you know, turn my lights on, shut the garage, lock the house, and all of that's communicating with other devices in real time or or your voice, you know, through Google Glass. I mean, it's interesting to see how all of these things are like kind of being even more connected and becoming even more real time through events. So- so, so Chris, does that mean that that we're that much closer to the Terminator movies and the singularity I, moment coming? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think so. So, so, so what you're what you're telling me is you're inventing the machines that are going to take over. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think telephone may may be the next guy next. It's the, it's the tipping point. <laughs> <laughs> we jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, but that's actually that. So that that actually gives us sort of a good, uh, maybe maybe sort of ending point. But it gives us a good sort of thing for going forward. So I'm going to throw out a couple things. So, uh, you know, one of the things Aaron and I had kicked around for say an episode 100 since Christian was on episode essentially one, or he was guest number one. We may have to have him back on to talk about some of this Internet of Things. Uh, you know, I know he's been doing some stuff. You guys have been doing some stuff at Bechtel, which is, you know, as you know, you guys are building bridges and you're building airports and you're putting sensors in the cement and you're figuring out in real time how well, you know, the, the cement is curing and how much you need and how dense it is. And so I think there's some, you know, there's some practical applications much more so than maybe, you know, the Cisco internet of everything where, you know, you've got sensors on trees and they talk about trees talking to other stuff and stuff that kind of people can't wrap their head around, but that might have to be one of our shows coming up. Maybe that is our, our episode 100 uh, possibility. The other thing I'm going to throw out, and you and I talked about this a little bit, and I, I, I'll be very interested once we get this show pieced together and, and people listen to it. Um, you know, we've talked on this show about, you know, cloud is sort of a lot of foundational things. We spun out the mobile cast because, you know, as we, you talked about, mobile first is becoming a big deal. 
Um, you know, real time might be something that that people I know you're passionate about. People who are our listeners who are looking to you know kind of move from infrastructure and do other things might want to go into. So my my thing to, to our listeners is. If you're interested in real time, if this sort of stuff got you fired up or gets you as fired up as Chris was, you know, we've sort of thrown a proposal out to Chris. Um, you know, we may ask him to do some shows like we're having Brian Katz do the mobile cast stuff, but let us know. Let us know if that's stuff you want to hear on a regular basis, periodically. It's it's too much for you. You want to hear more about it. Um, and we're happy to, to do those sort of things. We're always looking for sort of offshoots of the show for things that people are interested in. Um, usually we can we can do audio fairly well. Tonight we're struggling, but we'll get it put together. <laughs> um, but if folks like this, I mean, I, you know, uh, Chris has a huge wealth of knowledge. He obviously knows people in the industry. So if this is a topic that people like, just like they told us they wanted to hear more about mobile and we've heard some things about things like big data, let us know. We're happy to, you know, kind of get the right folks together and, and let them uh, – share with you guys what they're passionate about and the things they're working on. So give us, give us feedback if, uh, if you like what, we're, what we talked about today or you're interested more in it. So, um, so I think, I think, I think we're getting sort of long in the tooth here. Uh, why don't we wrap it up? Um, Chris, thank you so much for being on the, on the show. Aaron, you want to take us out? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, so Chris, where can everyone find out more about you, what you got going on, telephone, everything else? You know, telephone.com is, is probably the best place to go for that. There's a huge blog, tons of screencasts. I love doing screencasts and showing off all the new features. Um, yeah, and if you go yeah, to the Telephone blog, you you can see pictures of of that, the, you know, the, the Captain Morgan mustache that, that Brian was referring to earlier. <laughs> I was checking yeah, out the blog, blog while we were here. Yeah. <laughs> Blog.telephone.com, definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's got a good curl on the end of the mustache. <laughs> Cool, cool. And and where can yeah, everyone find you on Twitter, Chris? Uh, Chris Matthew, at Chris Matthew. Matthew spelled really weird. It's M-A-P-T-H-I-E-U. Very cool. All right. So if you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. Five-star only, please. Remember, um, <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at TheCloudCastNet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening. 